Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Jake. I just wanted to say thanks for listening today. Uh, kind of let you know how I came across Matt. He is a friend of a guy I had on the podcast before named Jeremiah Bear. I can link to that episode if you're curious about him. But Matt has the More Than Fitness podcast that struck my curiosity because it's very similar to my podcast called Beyond Fit. So we talked about a wide range of things here. We really didn't talk too much about specific health and fitness type stuff until the very end. But I think it was a lot of very useful and insightful things just about life, about our similarities, about Matt's different experiences, and just a lot of high realm sort of high reaching ideas that you're really going to enjoy and that I hope you try to implement into your life. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker back on the Beyond Fit podcast. My guest today is Matt, someone I recently came across uh, on Instagram, thought that our pages and our brands really aligned well and thought he'd be a fun guest to have on here and kind of share his story, talk a little bit about uh, his fitness journey and just his journey in general. So you want to go ahead and say hi, Matt? Yeah, of course. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, man. I think it is cool that, uh, yeah, whenever you, you reached out and I, I looked into your stuff and I was like, oh yeah, we, we definitely do have some, some Im- similar interests in people. And then you have the Beyond Fit podcast, mm-hmm. mine's the More Than Fitness podcast. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is, uh, I think this is, is, is right online. So yeah, yeah, thank you again for having me on, dude. Yeah. So for starters, I think I have a pretty good idea, but explain what exactly that means to you in the sense that you have the more than fitness podcast. Where does mm-hmm. that sort of stem from? Um, so a while back, whenever I made my first website, mcleodconsultingservices.com, it just rolls right off the tongue, super easy. <laughs> um, it, uh, uh a tagline that I had on the top of my page was just more than fitness. And Mm -hmm. uh, over time that kind of, it kind of just stuck. I really, I I liked it. Other people started to to kind of get on board with it. And, and my, my content always aligned that way naturally in the sense Mm -hmm. that I post more than uh, fitness stuff, training stuff, nutrition stuff, just because there's, fitness is not in a vacuum, right? In our Mm. everyday lives, right? Like we have so many other things that are going on. Like if our sleep is messed up, if our relationships are messed up, uh, stress is messed up, whatever, like we, it affects, it affects our training, our nutrition, Mm -hmm. uh, our body composition, et cetera. So yeah, it came from the, the site originally, but then my content kind of aligned with it. And then I've kind of just carried it with me Mm -hmm. ever since. And then the podcast kind of came from a, well, one, I, I, I started to listen to more podcasts actually. So I'm big, I'm big Joe Rogan fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then of course there's Tim Ferriss and oh, yeah. there's there, everybody, everybody has podcasts now. Uh, and I just found myself listening to them more and more. Uh, and I knew also that they were becoming a, a good business tool as well, mm-hmm. uh, just for promotion and things like that. But most importantly, I just like having genuine conversations mm-hmm. with people, especially in, in today's world where everything is a like or a comment or a DM or a text mm-hmm. or something. I think those are all fine, um, but they're more shallow conversations. And so the, the podcast was a good way for me to have an excuse to reach out to people that I look up to and, and talk to them for an hour mm-hmm. um, for the majority of the time. And I made it the more than fitness podcast again, just because I want, I was, I knew that my audience would want me to talk with uh, fitness professionals for the most part, but I didn't necessarily want to bring them in and then just talk about calories or macros Mm -hmm. uh, or training periodization uh, or, or, or things like that. If we went down that rabbit hole, I'm more than happy Mm -hmm. to talk about it. Just if the conversation naturally went that way. Um, but I wanted to, honestly, I just wanted to shoot the shit with them. I just wanted yeah. to hear their story. I just wanted to get to know them as a person better. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of what I did. I brought them on and then, uh, yeah, I just 
had a normal conversation. I wanted the, the audience to be kind of like a fly on the wall to really get to know these people behind the science and the diet and the exercise and everything mm-hmm. else. Just who they are as a person, uh, their, their mental models, how they think, um, how their worldview is different than others, how they became successful in this field. Because there's lots of there's lots of things that these fitness professionals do that even if you aren't a fitness professional, the same things that they did to reach their mm-hmm. success, it's, it's the same exact things that most other people do in other fields as well. Uh, it's just, it's just fitness is the vehicle that they use to do that. So yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of the long winded answer to how I came yeah. out more than fitness podcast. Yeah. I'm just listening. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. It's crazy how similar our, our paths are that got us to this place. You kind of talked about like wanting to have the more in-depth conversation with people and talking about their story. My podcast was actually, um, for most of the time it's been in existence, I called it the What's Your Story podcast. And -hmm. I was kind of like having people on. I didn't really have, it was a lot of fitness people because that was like where most of my connections were being made because I started the Instagram first and foremost. But I wanted to kind of just like interview all sorts of different people, which was fun and I enjoyed. But at the same time, I feel like I kind of took the month of December to have more uh, think about like some more direct goals and had a niche down in 2020, that's kind of my goal. So fitness had always been a big thing. So I wanted to make the podcast more in line with that. But I I love the fact that you kind of talked about, you know, you thought you just thought it was cool that you yourself could like have an hour or whatever it is to talk with these people that that you you enjoy their content on Instagram. Like for me, I the thing I was most surprised about is there's a handful of people that come to the top of my mind that like, I never thought, you know, like if I just said like, hey, I'd like to have an hour conversation with you, like over the phone or whatever, they might be like, oh, I, you know, I don't know. But you're like, come on my podcast for an hour. It's a great opportunity. You know, even if three other people hear it, you still yourself get value from having that conversation. So it's a nice, yeah. it's a really nice tool in that way. Yeah, man, exactly. It's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, for, like you said, it, to talk to somebody, like I had Brett Contreras on my podcast mm-hmm. and to talk with him for an hour, like if he had a consulting fee or something like that would be mm-hmm hundreds of dollars exactly, exactly. like closer probably to a grand to be honest and it's like him being willing to come on and he we talked for almost an hour and a half actually uh and so it's just like to have the ability to do that so even if you even if you don't even care about the business aspect of podcasts mm-hmm. like just do it as a networking thing because mm-hmm. now Brett Contreras like he's like if somebody brought me up in a conversation he's probably gonna be like he's not gonna remember me but i know mm-hmm. that he's probably gonna be like oh yeah that name's super familiar and then maybe mm-hmm. he can see me my page or something uh etc and it's just like that's that's an that's one that's the first interaction that you can to open that door uh to make a genuine connection with that with mm-hmm. that person you look up to yeah and the other key thing to me is like i don't know how you fall on the spectrum if you think about it very much but like i, I feel like myself i'm pretty introverted but I like the podcast aspect because I feel perfectly comfortable having a one-on-one conversation with people, but I just struggle where I, I'm not going to be as outgoing or make my opinions known in like a big group setting. And so just having the time to sit down with someone and the, the whole point is just to converse. Like I'm very comfortable with that. And it kind of helps me to like that whole networking and making new connections in, a, right, in, in right. an easy way for me, I guess. Yeah. 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 It's funny that because I know that people on, uh, like Joe Rogan's podcast, for example, they have millions of listeners that are actually mm-hmm. listening to what they're saying right now. Like mm-hmm. right now, obviously we're nowhere near that, but it's just, mm-hmm. we, we, we can have the dynamic of a one-to-one conversation, but then it's cool right. because you can broadcast that out to so many other people. And Rogan is just the extreme mm-hmm. example of how powerful that can actually be, but how comfortable he can learn to make people in a one-to-one setting, mm-hmm. um, even though they're actually talking to hundreds of thousands yeah. if not millions of people yeah and the other thing about that is like it's so different from any other media of communication we've ever had like joe rogan will mention all the time like how what he does differs from like good morning america or the today show or whatever show that people new show that people watch because they have to tiptoe you know so many different lines because of sponsorships or because of you know this and that and whereas a podcast when it's you yourself running it it's like whatever you want to talk about you know you don't have to to tiptoe around many issues as long as you, as long as you choose to go down that route, because there's lots mm-hmm. of podcasts still that are interviews and yeah. they are like, mm-hmm. that's why I think people, people will come on to, to your podcast. I'm glad that we're just like, just riffing and we're not mm-hmm. going by, I'm sure you have maybe a couple questions to bring mm-hmm. up and things. And that's totally fine to have it. I'm not like, a yeah. Certain, oh, five minutes it's time for this. You know? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's also not just like, um, so let's say we have someone who's trying to lose body fat and then what, mm-hmm, what, what would mm-hmm. you usually take? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah. want question after question after question. I want it to be a genuine conversation. And if that question naturally pops up, 
and I'm totally cool with, mm-hmm. with doing that. Um, but yeah, Rogan has just mastered the, uh, the, the art of bullshitting with somebody and, and providing immense entertainment and value for the listeners because you realize it's what I always get caught up to with my podcast um, or even just my content. I think so much that I have to make it uh, super niche down, especially mm-hmm. like in the fitness realm, like make it about training or nutrition or, or mm-hmm. something along those lines. But it's like people listen to Joe Rogan, like say like dick jokes the entire mm-hmm. time or like him and somebody else, like the, you have Elon Musk on there and they don't, obviously they talked about like some of the AI stuff and some super complex things, but a lot of the guests that he has on, they just talk about nonsense and he talks yeah, exactly. for three hours long. Right. And it's just, people love to be entertained, especially by mm-hmm. people that they look up to as well. It's like, I think a lot of people overthink it and then they don't end up having fun with it. And whenever you don't have fun with it, it doesn't come off as genuine. And then people just aren't, they're not as interested. It's just not, mm-hmm. uh, it's not as good. Um, and if you can, uh, yeah. com- if you can combine, uh, if you can combine the entertainment part, the value part, the informational part and mm-hmm. just provide value in, in all those different facets. That's whenever you have something amazing yeah. like the Joe Rogan podcast. So he's, mm-hmm. good, at, and he's I, good at all I, of it. Yeah. I think the biggest key is just that he's authentic and he brings that out of other people too. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's interesting because you kind of mentioned earlier, like almost along the lines of like, we have people that are so interested in like short little bits of information these days. And it seems like that's how we get all information. It's kind of surprising that there is that thirst out there, like Joe Rogan's three hour long podcast multiple times a week. But I just think it shows that like people aren't like our attentions aren't broken. You know what I mean? But it's just like, we, we value people's like vulnerability and authenticity and in the formal environment of like, you know, whether it be school or like the corporate world, I think that just lacks a lot of that, that raw authenticity. And that's kind of what people are looking for when they become a fan of a show like that or something if it's if it's three hours of garbage then yeah of course no one's going to listen to it mm-hmm. right but if it's like if it's harry potter or lord of the rings or if it's uh you know the irishman that just came mm-hmm. out that movie was almost four hours long and i was like there's no chance in hell that i'm going to be watching this movie mm-hmm. i started watching it and i watched the entire thing it was yeah. like three three hours and 40 minutes or something mm-hmm. and it's i stayed or the godfather the most popular movie of all time like mm-hmm. according to charts and things like that super long but it's like it's not that people's necessarily their attention spans are broken you have to draw interest in quickly and and obviously building a personal brand or something like that can help a lot with that so that you can earn people's trust so that they know every time you put something out it's probably going to be good um or they're at least going to give you that chance but then Mm -hmm. yeah you to get people to stay it has to be quality like it has to be good um and yeah so that's why rogan can get away with three or four hour podcasts about nonsense is because people do enjoy listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. And then like the last thing to me that I think is, is good about having a podcast or like anything where you're putting stuff out online is you, I saw you kind of put a different, a couple of different links to, or maybe like mention Naval. And I know that in one of his tweet storms, like one of the main points was essentially like in the digital age, you want to take advantage of the fact that like, it's easy to catalog things that you do such as blogs or podcasts and I think that's just really cool because you can show, unlike, you know, a traditional resume, it's, it, it literally shows what you've been doing with your time and shows that you've been, you know, working on a specific endeavor or at least, if nothing else, making good use of your time and showing, you know, how you think, how you, how you talk, how you communicate, essentially. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to get to know somebody in this day and age, especially somebody our age, like you ask for their Instagram handle mm-hmm, and then you exactly. go to their Instagram and then like you can you can see how they write, you can see how they post, you can see what they have in their bio, you can see what they have as their their profile picture, you can see what their stories are about, right? Like that tells you a lot of information about somebody. Um, and then yeah, of course, you extend it out to having blogs, having podcasts, um, having this entire archive of, mm-hmm. of information about your life. I think it's a it's a great time <clears throat> to be alive. And we have a very special opportunity here. Um, and it's something that I've talked about as well uh, on my podcast, uh, in my blogs and things like that. It's like, this is all going to be available to our grandchildren, right? Like our grandchildren mm-hmm, are exactly. going to be able to look up every single thing about us as long as you choose to put that out there, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's something special to put that out there um, for 
for people just to help other people. Um, but then also, yeah, like if I could go and look at my grandparents' Instagram, like whenever they were my age, that would be incredible. You know what I'm saying? Like how mm -hmm. that would be so amazing to go and listen to my grandpa's podcast whenever mm -hmm. he was 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll like, just be, I think it'll just be weird to even, even like for me, like I haven't even had my podcast for a full year, but if I like happen to be listening to something I recorded like back in April, it's like, I feel like I can already tell how much I've changed. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of cool to get to reflect on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good benchmark for yourself mm -hmm. as well, because I like to, with my Instagram, I put over like 1200 posts on there or something. And if I go back and look two years ago at the mm -hmm. posts that I was making, I was just like, I was a completely different person, mm -hmm. you know, and you go back even further than that. And it just, it, it the, the gap extends even further. So it's like, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, that's a good sign. And hopefully I'll be saying that about myself now as well in like five years you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. looking back um uh, doing the exact same thing but that's okay because that means you're progressing that's that's mm -hmm. a good thing that you've you've changed uh even in in six months time that just means that you're you're growing as a person um, mm -hmm. that's, that's yeah i i listen to jordan harbinger's uh podcast a lot and like i've heard him talk about before he's like He's like, every time you look back at yourself like a year or a few years ago, like you're always going to see some things you cringe at. And he's like, that's good. It means that you're growing and changing. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed yeah. to be the same exact person as we were a year ago because you're learning more, you're doing more, more perspective and experiences. Yeah, man. And that's, that's all really, that's, in my opinion, that's kind of the that's kind of our purpose here. Like that's the mm -hmm. meaning of life, right? It's just progression over time mm -hmm. and trying to leave the world a better place than whenever you first got here. Right. Like the, the small, small dent you can leave on the universe. Like, Hey, I know it's going to be super small, but if you can leave the earth better than it was before you got here, I think that would be considered a successful life. In my mm -hmm. yeah. So as far as talking about, you know, kind of having this wide scope of, of what you talk about and what you address, was that something that you always did from, the, the get-go or is that something you kind of fell more into mm -hmm. it from the beginning i always put out content that i wanted to put out i didn't mm -hmm. let anybody hold me back i never I, I never thought like oh i can only put out fitness stuff i don't know why mm -hmm. i thought that i think it was probably I, can we cuss? I, I've already cussed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think it was just kind of, and I know everybody says this, but it was kind of like I, I, I had that I, I don't give a fuck attitude mm -hmm. about like putting stuff out because I just wanted to put stuff out. I knew that if I was interested in it, I would attract my people as a result. And that's exactly what's happened after mm -hmm. years and years of doing that, right? Um, and so, yeah, I think from the beginning, I did it and it was more so an accident. It wasn't on mm -hmm. purpose. Uh, and then I, I, did, I, have, I did come from a bodybuilding background. So I, I competed in natural bodybuilding. Um, and, uh, yeah, I was super serious about lifting up until about mm -hmm. 2016. And then I actually earned my natural pro card. Um, oh, nice. and, uh, after I won my natural pro card, so I dieted for like 22 weeks or something, mm -hmm. counted every calorie that went into my mouth, weighed out every gram of food, um, mm -hmm. hit the, hit the gym five or six times a week at least. Um, and then I ended up losing, yeah, I lost like 30 pounds. I went from like 200 pounds, stepped on stage, I think around 165 uh, or something like that. And it was just, it really, um, it really highlighted everything that was truly important to me. And what was not important to me was standing up on stage and bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed the competitive part about it because that's what I got into it for was for the competitive aspect after high school football. I didn't really mm -hmm. have a competitive outlet. And so I got into body into natural bodybuilding. Um, but then after I won my pro card, like that was my goal. That's what I was trying to do. I won. And then I was just like, okay, I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah. And then I also, I graduated college as well. And then I was just, my priorities just shifted. And I was just mm -hmm. like, this is only going to take more out of my life. Oh yeah. Because um, to compete against other professionals, it's just, you, it just, you have to take things to a completely other level. And the mm -hmm. payoff, if it's not something insular that you really, really just want to do in your heart, mm -hmm. then it's not worth the payoff whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, it's just believe it or not, natural bodybuilding is not a booming sport. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I, I, I did that. And so I went to the extreme. And then by going to the extreme, I realized that I didn't want to be there. You know, so it, it brought me back down, it, it made me reprioritize things in my life. Um, and then I just started to, again, 
just like I did in the beginning, I put out content that was aligning with me during this time. So as mm-hmm. I graduated in 2016 and then I earned my um, uh, registered dietitian credential uh, and then got out of school and then now I'm doing coaching full time, it's like the gym is still a big part of my life. Nutrition is still a big part of my life. It's still a very dear part of my life and it's done so much for me, but it's not my entire life, mm-hmm. right? So it's just, there, there's so much more to me than, than diet and exercise, mm-hmm. right? So I, my, my content has aligned that. And I think here recently, probably within the last year or so, I've really gone all in on that because mm-hmm. I was trying to, I was trying to whatever, figure out what my brand wanted to be as well. Yeah. And I, I realized um, that I was kind of crossing paths in the beginning because I was putting out more of the bodybuilding stuff, more kind of advanced techniques and uh, the way I was talking about things um, mm-hmm. and everything like that. But then as I progressed and then I've, I, I reprioritized my life and I became interested in other things, I, I, I basically did a shift with my brand as well. So as I grew as a person, my brand grew uh, the same way. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I kept putting out content that was interested in me. And then, yeah, here recently, I've kind of realized that without even doing it on purpose, I've kind of became the guy who's wearing a Hawaiian shirt right now. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to have fun with mm-hmm. all of this, right? Like I just, I simply want to have fun on a day-to-day basis and I want to help people while I do it. And it just so happens that I know shit about fitness and diet mm-hmm. and exercise. And that's my way of helping people. But also I'm a 26 year old who's learning how to become a man who's learning to mm-hmm. become um, uh, whatever, a, a good, a good boyfriend, a good husband, eventually a good father mm-hmm. one day. You know what I'm saying? Like there's so many transitions that's going on in my life right now. That is also a major part of me. And I'm just expressing that via my podcast, social media, mm-hmm. my blog. So it's just like, these are all just extensions of me as a person. And my, in my retrospective that I talked about for 2019 and my action plan for going into 2020 was that like, I'm just going all in on being myself. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to be more me because in this, in this, um, uh, industry and, and basically in any industry, everyone says that their industry is saturated, but it's like mm-hmm. the way that you stand out is by being the most you possible, right? Like that's exactly, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. So yeah. And it's also, it aligns with my skill set, and it also aligns with who I am as a person and I'm having fun doing it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's like another, it's like another Naval quote. He says, uh, you can escape competition through authenticity. So mm-hmm. I think that that's a big one right there. It's like, it's, it's hard because it goes back to like those two words. I I've, I've used them a few times because I've been thinking about them a lot, just how to be the most authentic and vulnerable version of yourself. Because sometimes, you know, it can feel tough to be completely honest on a podcast or on social media because you know, you, we naturally want to be guarded to a certain extent, but I think the more you can be honest, the, the thing that I noticed the most is like you get a better connection with people because say, for example, you, you just talk about some, some uh, weakness that you have or something that you've really been struggling with that uh, you've been trying to change. And, you know, when you're really honest about that, people, other people can be like, oh, wow, I thought I was the only one. You know what I mean? I, I thought that this person wouldn't struggle with this or I thought that, you know, other people didn't struggle with these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah, man. Exactly. And, and to speak to speak on that, I do love that Naval quote. I mean, just like all the other ones that he talks about, they're just ridiculously insightful. Um, but I also read a quote from uh, uh, Seth Godin's book, This Is Marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was talking about authenticity and he had an interesting approach to it. And because he was just speaking about how when authenticity is actually a bad thing and it becomes a bad thing whenever you just become a spewing fire hose of all your problems and insecurities and vulnerabilities Mm -hmm. and you're not actually serving your audience, right? Like they Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. Your audience is going to care about you or whatever, but if you're just whining and complaining and just telling me how you feel in that moment, but not offering any value for me whatsoever, He was like, then you're just, I don't even remember what he said, but basically you're like a whiny child. You're Mm -hmm. not, you're not giving value and you're not being authentic. Like that's just Mm -hmm. your excuse to not make valuable things for your audience. And so 
his 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 counter to that was to be like instead be a professional and a professional shows up every single day despite how they're feeling and tries to put out their best work right mm -hmm. and so and so that's that's exactly uh what i've been trying to ask myself more um throughout 2020 is to just like what would a professional do in my situation mm -hmm. like i'm i know i'm feeling this way i know i don't want to do x y and z but it's like this is mm -hmm. my job i owe it to my audience to put out great work and to serve them the best way possible so it's like i don't care necessarily how i'm feeling um and of course this is a balance right like i'm saying all this but then also if you're if you're on the edge of burnout or if you're um, depressed or there, there's other ish underlying issues that you mm -hmm. need to uproot first before you you put out your best content, then sure, do that work. Be honest with your audience, etc. But then it's like, for the majority of the time, if you're healthy, if you're feeling good, uh, or if you're or if you're capable of putting out content of of doing your job, you need to do your job the best you possibly can because you owe it to uh, your your clients, your audience, mm -hmm. etc. Right. Yeah, I feel like it, like it has to have a point. Like you shouldn't just be, you know, having that vulnerability and talking about something negative and just being like, "Yep, that's it, my life sucks." It should be like, "This is the strategy I'm using. Maybe this is why yeah. I'm still struggling with it." So that people can get those insights. And I think that it's just another one of those, um, I guess, mantras that you hear. It's like people are more willing to help you if you're willing to help yourself. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. just not just complaining because I think that that can kind of be a disease too in the sense that it can just kind of like complaining brings about more things to complain about you know like i'm sure you're familiar with gratitude training where at the beginning or end of each day saying some things you're thankful for thinking about things you're thankful for because it's like that sort of thinking your thinking really compounds itself just like you know if you want to make the health and fitness uh, example like doing one healthy thing can compound into others and it's mm -hmm. like looking at things in a positive light will transcend all, all different areas i think yeah. And I've, I've been, I've battled with complaining in my head because I, I, I do think the majority of people don't have, I don't know if I could say that or not about the majority of people not having anything to complain about. A lot mm -hmm. of people don't have anything really to complain about. They just want to uh, hear themselves talking. They want to complain for the sake of complaining and they want other people to complain with them. But what I think if you try to figure out how complaining could be useful is that it does a good job at uh, you know shine, shining a flashlight on what is wrong with your life right now. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. if you have darkness Definitely. and then you complain and then there's a direction, like you're complaining about something and you, especially if you find yourself complaining about it over and over and over again, it's like, that's, you know, there's something wrong there. You need to mm -hmm. explore that more deeply and you need to figure out how you can correct that so that you don't have to complain about it anymore. So it's like, yeah, I think the majority of people, especially if you live in the United States or, um, you know, a first world, first world country, it's just like, yeah, you're, 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 you're good to go, man. Like you're, you're mm -hmm. going to be all right mm -hmm. the majority of the time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it can, complaining can be helpful in the sense of identifying your weaknesses and identifying what is going wrong in your yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's like, it's all relative, you know, like, just like you said, if you live in the United States, it's such a prosperous place to live. Whereas there's plenty of places where people are still essentially living in like a third world country, or it's like, it's relative to look at what people were dealing with 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, however long you want to go back years ago. It's like, we're always, I think a lot, like things are always improving but it just goes back to the fact that we adapt so quickly. We have the hedonic treadmill, as they say, it's like every mm -hmm. time your life gets better, you find new things to worry or be upset about. And the other thing that I find most interesting is like, I guess just kind of looking at the history of humans and the sense that thinking about why we act some ways because of how we were brought to be. Whereas, you know, we needed things like fear and anxiety in the past when like dangers were a lot more relevant, but in the situation we live in now, that's, we don't, we don't have to fear things really. We don't have much that we should really be a fearful of or be overly worried about because our basic needs are always going to be provided for. Whereas like, I mean, that's probably something that is, has really came about in the last two or 300 years for most people where you weren't thinking about life or death on a regular basis. Yeah. And I think if you can, if you can understand that, which a lot of people don't know evolutionary mm -hmm. biology or like why uh, we react or respond in, in the certain ways that we do, or, or our body reacts or responds in the way that mm -hmm. it does just naturally. Um, but if you can, 
if you can understand emotions for what they are and try to to train with with mindfulness with meditation uh with with thinking about your thinking with learning more about uh our thoughts and our thinking and why we respond with our emotions to certain Mm -hmm. things and you kind of I, i feel like you kind of take away the power of your your emotions obviously emotions are important and they're there for a reason but i think once you stop letting them dictate your entire life just being your puppeteer of mm-hmm. how you react like a like a child does um and you're able to become aware of these thoughts and emotions ideas and be able to drop back in your situation and be like mm-hmm. okay what's really going on here like am i uh, am I acting this way because I'm justified in acting this way? Or is it just because I'm hungry and then I'm also angry and then it's just like, then I have some resentment towards this person for not doing X, Y, and Z. So then and this is happening and it's like, whenever you can kind of get an eye on that, I think that that uh, can be super helpful. But mm-hmm. for many people, they haven't, uh, or they may not ever be able to identify with that or even know like what I was just talking about. It's kind of mm-hmm. like being... Uh, stuck in the matrix or something. Yeah. And, and it's not that like, I think that I'm superior or something for, for thinking about my thinking or being aware of my thoughts or something, but it's just like, I'm very thankful that I mm. found, uh, you know, Naval's work or Sam Harris's work or Jordan Peterson's mm-hmm. work, or like these people's work that make you second guess your thinking and how you're living your life because it can make your, it can diminish your suffering, mm-hmm. right? On a day-to-day yeah, basis. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of Sam Harris, and I what I always think about along these lines is like I always tell people probably maybe the number one favorite book I've read was Sapiens by Yuval Harari. I haven't gotten about, to it yet, but I need to. It's like it's very it gives you a lot of perspective. Just like kind of makes you look at like why all these things came to be the way they are, and there are things like he goes from everything to like our diet to the way we use money to the way we form communities. It's like mm-hmm. this isn't hardwired well in, in some ways it's hardwired into us but like things we see as objective truth or as you know things that we couldn't live without we manufactured a lot of these things and so mm-hmm. it's, it's another one that just really makes you think about about the way we live our life of course and like you said with the hedonic treadmill it's just like as i like i said earlier about the progression like that's the whole point of all this mm-hmm. whenever you have those basic needs covered right and i've realized this as i've uh I've been, uh, whatever, I, I've gained some financial freedom this year going mm-hmm. on, go, doing this full time. Uh, I've been very lucky that way. And I've been able to experience, and don't get me wrong, I still get plenty of anxiety and overwhelm and uh, fear of the future and fear mm-hmm. of the unknown and, and all of that. That doesn't go away. But whenever you can understand that, like, you're always going to have problems, it's like, that's mm-hmm. the point. That's what keeps us motivated to keep going and not just like sitting on the couch and doing nothing and becoming nihilistic mm-hmm. and uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like, whenever you understand that you're always going to have issues and it's just, it builds from there, it actually takes some of the pressure, some of it, not all of it. It mm-hmm. takes some of the pressure mm-hmm. away from you and kind of lightens the load. And it's like, as long as you have food and water and shelter, um, and like, you've got a good support system, you're not in any immediate danger or anything like that. Like you're good, dude. Like you're going to be, mm-hmm. you're going to be all right for the most part. It's like, as yeah. long as you're not dying to like search to, for where your next meal is coming mm-hmm. from, like you're, you're, you're going to be okay. And whenever you can yeah. understand that, whenever you can fully um, embody that, then, then yeah, you take a lot of the pressure and the um, yeah, the, the evolutionary angst off mm-hmm. of yourself. Right? Yeah. And in my view, I think it's also important to note that like you want to have some form of hardship and struggle in your life. Like you need that or else, you know, if you become too comfortable and things are too easy, I think that that's even worse. Well, maybe not, it's not worse than having things too hard, but it's like, it's comparable because you Mm -hmm. you have that, that same sense of angst. Ordering chaos. Yeah. It's like we need some, some form Mm -hmm. of of struggle and and hardship in our lives at all time. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have half your body in in order and half your body in chaos Mm -hmm. so that you can have enough, uh, enough challenge so that you can stay motivated and you can grow as a person, but you don't want to have too much, uh, too much order and be too comfortable because then you become complacent, you become mm-hmm. stagnant, you don't grow as a person, you become nihilistic, uh, and you just lack meaning. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, you need both yin and yang, order chaos, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, it's like you look and who are the biggest population of uh, a relatively like depressed or suicidal 
uh, people, it's usually celebrities because if they've mm. reached that, that point where they have everything provided for them and, you know, they don't really have to struggle for everything. They probably have a team of people to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, they just start to go, well, what the hell is the purpose then? You know? Yeah. They're at the top. Right. And whenever mm-hmm. you're at the top, it's like, okay, well, this is where I thought my happiness was going to come from. So it's like, what, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like, I think, I think that's kind of, I don't know too much about them. So I, I don't want to speak too um, uh, absolute about this, but like, uh, uh, I know Jim Carrey is the one who's mm-hmm. everyone's like, he's off the deep end, yeah. uh, whatever. And you know, he's obviously one of the best actors of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just like, he's reached the mega fame, mega fortune, etc. And he, he's just the person who's like, yeah, I'm going to go hang out in nature with mm-hmm. the woods and just like chill because he's realized it's just like, he, he's, he, he's done what he's wanted to do, but also like he's, he's challenging himself probably in other ways now. Mm-hmm. And he, he, but he's okay with not getting more money or getting more mm-hmm. power, or getting more fame. I think he, he's starting to understand a little bit more of what happiness is about. He may be mm-hmm. a little bit crazy because I think yeah. there's some stuff he's, he's gone off the deep end, but I think it's just kind of that, that last um, tip, the, the self-actualization mm-hmm. part on the, on the hierarchy of needs. And it's just like, that's, that's his mm-hmm. way of, of trying to discover that. Yeah. But it's like, we're all a little crazy, you know, I think that, Keanu Reeves is another guy that reminds me that kind of is like you see him like like you said I don't know a lot about him but he's got a lot of really interesting quotes and perspectives mm-hmm. and then the other one that jumps to mind is how uh Dave Chappelle just like moved away for 10 years after I whatever yeah. whatever dilemma happened with him wanting to control the Chappelle show or something like that again something yeah. I'm not super informed on but you see celebrities taking that route sometimes yeah and he's just like I don't give a shit about what mm-hmm. anyone has to think about it either and then he came back after all these years dave Chappelle did and then mm-hmm. he, he's dropped these specials or whatever mm-hmm. and it's still he's still he's 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 speaking his mind and he's going against the the status quo and mm-hmm. against all of hollywood and saying absolutely everything that you quote unquote should not be saying mm-hmm. did you um, did you watch uh, sticks and stones yeah i did oh yeah, that was like the funniest that was like the funniest comedy i've seen in like five years that was unbelievable yeah listen man i'm a yeah i'm actually a big uh, comedy fan and that's oh, happened yeah? over this past year with getting into joe rogan and then his mm-hmm. entire bubble of all the other comedians now mm-hmm. that he has around him they all have podcasts so it's amazing because i just have content the entire week like every week because yeah. somebody that i enjoy is going to put out a podcast that that i want to listen to so mm-hmm. who are your other uh, favorite comedians like the guys uh, that are on the show like Ari Shapir and Ari Shapir. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bert Bert Kreischer. He's he's definitely one of them. Um, yeah. So I've went and saw. Um, I went and seen whatever it is. I I went and seen uh, Joey Diaz. He was my first person I ever saw in person. Um, he came here to Lexington. I've seen Andrew Santino. He's another one. I've seen Crystalia twice. Um, and then for Christmas, my girlfriend bought me Ari Shafir to, mm. for his Netflix special in February. Oh, that's sweet. That's yeah. Awesome. The, Cause she, she's in New York for law school. So I'm going to be flying up there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're going to go to the actual Netflix taping of that live. So I'm, I'm Very super cool. excited for that. Yeah. It'll be fun. But yeah. Comedy has yeah, been a-, a big part this mm. uh, past year or so. I really like, uh, Dave Chappelle. I like the more dry comedians. Like I used to really like Louis C. Well, I do like Louis C.K. Even though it's kind of unfortunate now. That I like, like him too. It's all creep, good. You can, but, you can, you can, you can say it. Don't like, worry. It's all his, good. His are definitely my favorite. But I, what I was going to say is I used to listen to a lot of Louis Black, which he doesn't come out with really too much new stuff anymore. Um, I like Bill Burr too. I was going to say his, Bill Burr. His new, yeah, yeah, Bill one, Burr's his great. Was, was very funny. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. yeah it's weird because that's like, it, it, it just makes me think just kind of along the lines of our whole conversation. I remember this quote from Arnold Schwarzenegger and I don't remember exactly how it goes but he's like once you find your vision and your purpose in life you can kind of see it coming out in all sorts of these different ways and so it makes me think like I uh, kind of again like the thinking about your own thinking and the self-reflection I think I really like comedy because that's another one of those stations where like you have to be vulnerable or else it's Mm. just not going to work like people can tell and that's like the biggest key that's really what comedy is it's like communicating your insecurities and like the really like the insecurities of the world at large, but in a way that's funny so people can accept it. So it's just like, I think once you, once you get focused on what your principles are and what your values are, it transcends to like all the other parts of your life in in one way or another. Oh yeah. 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 No, that's, that's exactly what it is. And it's storytelling and, and being Mm -hmm. vulnerable and, and, and expressing those in a way that is entertaining and comical and, and funny. And, and yeah, I think one of the things, if you guys take anything from listening to this podcast, I think, 
one thing that you should do is you should start and end every single day with a laugh. And that's, mm. that's something that I've been trying to, I've done it for a while and actually started in my dietetic internship just because there was, there was parts of my rotations in my internship. I, I was going to a hospital. I was going to certain places that like, I didn't really want to go to. And whenever I'm going through things that I don't want to go to, I just try and find ways to cheer myself up. And so mm. my way of doing that was by listening to comedy every morning and then every night before bed. And it was just a way that I woke up and then I was in a good mood for the rest of the day because I woke up and I was laughing because these comedians were going about something, um, whatever. And then before bed, it's a good way to wind down as well. And then you can, you can fall asleep easier. Mm -hmm. You're more relaxed. And, and yeah, it's just, I think laughing at the beginning of your day and end of your day, it can, it can change your mm -hmm. stress levels uh, tremendously. Yeah. And the biggest thing about that is like, I think some people might be surprised even when you fake a laugh or fake a smile, like physiologically, your body's going to respond positively to that. Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly what the science behind that, but that's definitely something I've heard. Yeah, uh, no, you just places. start fake laughing. Yeah. And yeah. then you just, you start to feel better. It's weird. Mm -hmm. You start releasing mm -hmm. the, the uh, endorphins or, or whatever the hell it is that happens. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a good feeling, man. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I think that that stuff's really interesting where you'll hear that, you know, people, for example, perform better in speeches where they, you know, puff out their chest before and stuff like that. It's like, mm, like it's weird, your but your body, yeah, like your are like your your mind is so much more connected to your body than people think. And I think that's why it's important to try to exercise every day. Every day, at least do something that kind of gets your blood pumping, even if it's not a full workout. Mm -hmm. Because it, I think your physical, being healthy, physical, and getting to move and act, be active, is a super important part for not only thinking your best, but also elevating your mood as well. Yeah, I feel like in a very non-scientific way of saying this, I feel like it just recycles all the dog shit that's mm -hmm. going on in your life, like phys physically mm -hmm. and mentally and everything else. It's just like you're putting, you're, you're, you're able to let all of that kind of go is if you can, whenever you're in the gym, it's why it can be so important to stay off of your phone and try not to worry mm -hmm. about work or other work related tasks while you're at the gym, because it's just like, that can be a form of meditation, right? Like just going mm -hmm. to exactly. the gym yeah, that was, focusing that was... on every single rep mm -hmm. and doing every single rep the best you can possibly do it. Or whenever you're doing cardio or something, mm -hmm. uh, um, whatever, it's just like, you can use it as a meditative experience yeah. so that you can forget about the rest of your life and just focus on the now in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was literally about to say meditative. Actually, that's funny. That's yeah. like, for me, I don't, I know that cardio isn't hundred percent necessary and I definitely put more of uh, my effort towards weights, but I like to do cardio every week just because it's the easiest thing for me to just get really zoned in on. And like, if you're doing something hard, like high intensity, interval training it's like you you can get in those moments where you literally it's not possible to think about anything else than just you know what you're physically doing you're running because if your mind starts going somewhere else it's like it's just not possible you probably fall off you know you just you just feel better afterwards mm -hmm. after after you do it yeah and cardio i've been the exact same way it's funny you say that yeah because with cardio i don't love doing it or anything but mm -hmm. i always feel better after i do it and i think mm -hmm. it's also why like I have tons of whatever, quote unquote, non-fitness friends mm -hmm. and they love going to the sauna, for example. And that's oh, exactly, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what the sauna is doing. They have no mm -hmm. idea why they enjoy it so much. They know, they just know that they go in the sauna, they feel like they sweat out their impurities and, mm -hmm. and toxins and everything like that. And you just feel better after you get mm -hmm. a sweat in, after you get your heart rate up, uh, whatever. So yeah, that's, I think it's exactly that, that same, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing as we, as we wind down here, yeah, I was just curious, you kind of talked a little bit about school and your past. What was, did you study something along these lines in school? Was it, yeah. was it, how do you, how do you become, I guess I'm not hundred percent sure what the path to become an RD is. Yeah. So to become a registered dietitian, you do have to study dietetics in college. Okay. So you have to get your undergrad in dietetics. You can, and it is, so it's different than human nutrition with human nutrition. Mm -hmm. You can go into pharmacy or med school um, or something like that. But with dietetics, you do have, or to become a registered dietitian, you do have to um, go through undergrad and dietetics. Um, so yeah, that was a, that was a four year degree. And then after that you have a, uh, you have to get accepted, accepted into an internship. And luckily I got accepted into uh, the university of Kentucky's internship. So I didn't have to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, uh, during the internship, you get like 1400 hours of experience basically. And you're also taking some higher level classes. Uh, and then after that, then you're eligible to take the national board exam, uh, to become a registered dietitian. And, and so, yeah. And then I finished, so I finished all of that up, um, 
uh, in December of 2018. Um, so yeah, this has been the first full year that I've, I've done the coaching business, had the RD okay. and not had to worry about any school whatsoever. <laughs> it's been so nice. when you do coaching, are you doing, uh, just nutrition or you do also workout plans for people is kind of the whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deal? So I do, I do training and nutrition just mm-hmm. because I have the bodybuilding background and just, yeah. the, I, I, I had to pick between training or nutrition. Like I had to choose between diet or exercise in school because I was a kinesiology major and I was actually going to go into physical therapy, but then I sucked at chemistry and I hated it. Um, So I had to pick another degree and I knew that you didn't have to have a exercise science degree to become a personal trainer. So I was like, all right, well, screw this. I, I do know that I could become a registered dietitian, use that credential to my advantage. Also, people struggle with nutrition. And I feel like it's a Mm. little bit, I feel like it's just more, this could be my own naivete of towards the training world, but I feel like it's just more complex Mm. um, than than the training aspect of things. Uh, And like I said, more people struggle with it. So I figured- Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely lacks more than the training. Yeah, yeah, you know know what I'm saying? Unless you're training like the elite of the elite mm-hmm. or whatever, it's just like for most people, you need to understand the basics of metabolism and then yeah. everything else that goes along with, with food and nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I saw that as a way of separating myself from the rest of, of the other, uh, whatever, just Instagram coaches or something like that, or mm-hmm. other just their CPTs. So they're just certified personal trainers. Um, and yeah, so with the training, I was just as excessive with my learning with training as I was nutrition. I just so happened to get a degree in the nutrition side of things, but with training, I absorbed text. I bought textbooks myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I considered getting the CSCS, uh, but it was just like, even then, uh, so the certified specialist in strength and conditioning, but okay. even then I just, I didn't worry about it because I was, I was getting clients without it. I knew that my knowledge was sufficient and I knew that I was helping people and I was getting results uh, and people were enjoying it. So it's like, yeah, I didn't worry about it too much about not having my personal training Mm -hmm. uh, qualification. And so much of it's just anecdotal compared to, you know, Mm -hmm. like you could have a certificate, you could have a certification, but the fact that you've competed in bodybuilding and you've lived a healthy lifestyle for so many years on your own, I feel like that's world's more valuable when you're coaching someone else because you know, not only the science of it, but more so, you know, like the, uh, the ins and outs of like psychologically, the things that happen and the things that I've people are really going to battle on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Like I've, I've walked the walk and that was, uh, that, that was my way of beating imposter syndrome to be completely mm-hmm. honest, um, without even realizing it, but it's just like, yeah, I knew that if I walked the walk, so I became a professional natural bodybuilder, I got my registered dietitian credential, um, in uh, uh, so whatever the science-based field. So I've got that covered. I've got the, the anecdotal evidence part of it. And mm-hmm. then now like with my branded things, um, I'm, I don't, I, I'm not like a social media influencer or anything, but like, I think I'm doing okay. And my audience is okay. So it's like, then I'm dabbling around in that field as well. And I know mm-hmm. plenty of other people who do have hundreds of thousands of followers and things like that. So the influencer field over here, mm-hmm. uh, I think this was my way of trying to cover all my bases, um, to make myself feel better about being a coach. So then the last thing I'm curious about is like something I've been thinking about in my own life a lot lately mm-hmm. is uh, I was very fanatical about like macros when I first found out about that. And I've kind of strayed away more to like, I'm more, I'm more keen on getting the highest quality food that I can. Mm-hmm. So being an RD and then also being in that bodybuilding world where calories are really king, how do you look at the two uh, in contrast with each other? I mean, I think, I think you can't ignore the the science behind the importance of calories on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Like I think mm-hmm. it's overall, if you, you know, if, if you lose body fat via a calorie deficit, it's like mm-hmm. everything is going to improve as far as your health markers and things like that. So it's like mm-hmm. calories are still king. Um, I think for the most, because you can still eat whatever 3000, 4,000 calories from quote unquote queen foods and high quality foods. And given, I don't think your health could go to complete shit or anything like that. But I think if you're gaining body fat over time and you become overweight or something, like even though you are still eating those clean foods, it's Mm -hmm. like you, you, your health markers still can still get worse. Right. Yeah. That's definitely an important thing to know for sure. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, the calorie, the calories are, it is what it is, but I think whenever you have a, whenever you understand the, the entire context of where calories roll 
the, the role that calories play, but then also food quality, and mm-hmm. you can combine the two, that's whenever, you know, the real, the real magic can happen. And you can, you can, uh, uh, you can reach your physique goals, you can be a healthy person, you can feel good on a day to day basis. But mm-hmm. where, where the bodybuilding part helped me the most was where I did track my food so diligently for so long. Um, and then I was able to, uh, uh, you know, I'm able to estimate portions and how mm-hmm. many protein is in XYZ or how many carbs is in this, how many fat is in this, like what's the fiber of this. Um, I've been able to use that knowledge so that I don't have to track anymore. Right. Mm -hmm. But I had to, I had to use those training wheels of counting calories and counting macros and learning about food and learning about nutrition uh, so that I can use a more habit based approach now. And also, like you said, going by feel nowadays, Mm -hmm. it's a lot about like, I'm just trying to make sure that I feel good on a day to day mm-hmm. basis. And if I'm doing that and I'm making sure that my, cause I still weigh myself basically mm-hmm. every day, as long as I can keep those in check, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm probably heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And it brings up, I, I don't, I, I, I don't ever know how to feel, I guess, about the word intuitive eating. Cause that's kind of mm-hmm. how I'd explain probably what you and I both do, but it's also like, you do have to have that preface, that preface of like, we've both counted calories before. And so we have that background knowledge. Or like if you told someone who's untrained or unknowledgeable about health and fitness to intuitively eat, well, I, I, I can't remember who, who made this comparison, but someone was telling me one time, it's like, well, you tell the average person to intuitively eat, that's what they do every day. You know, that's, that's what got them to the place where they got fat or got, you know, got out of shape. Right. Intuitive eating might mean you eat a bunch of crap, but if well, you, you know, have the right intuitions and, and you know what you're looking for and you have the background, you, you, have, to, okay. you have to have the correct intuition in the first place mm-hmm, to intuitively exactly. eat, right? You know what I'm saying? Like you have to have that background mm-hmm. uh, to, to know that, uh, to be able to gauge whether your intuition is correct or not. And mm-hmm. you can only do that by having the, the, the prior knowledge in order to do so. So it's like, yeah, you, you, you cannot into, it's very difficult to intuitively eat without, and even then it's like, people say you go by your hunger cues and everything like that, but it's like, you can still eat terrible foods and listen mm-hmm. to your hunger cues. And then it's just like, it just, there's, there's still some gaps missing. Mm. And I think for people, I think, yeah, I think intuitive eating is, is towards the top of the pyramid. It's not towards the bottom. Yeah. Um, I think you can, you can maybe build up with, you don't necessarily have to count calories and macros and everything like that. I think it's super helpful. I think it's the quickest way to get to that intuitive eating mm-hmm. part, uh, in my opinion, but you can also, work on building healthier habits, uh, on a daily basis that could that could work as well. Like if you focus on getting protein with every meal, you focus on having a, um, uh, f- serving of fruit and or vegetables with each meal, you, uh, um, whatever you, you just don't snack in between meals, uh, et cetera. So it's like you do these certain things that could build these healthy habits. Then over, over time, I think it could, it could work out for you. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to get there the fastest and most efficiently, and then also set you up uh, properly long-term. Yeah. I think spend some mm-hmm. time tracking cal- It's like, it's not as difficult as most people make it either. It's not like some prison mm-hmm. where you have to weigh your, like weighing your food out is not that difficult, especially if you only do it for, if you weigh your food out for three for 12 weeks and then you're set up with your nutrition for the rest of your life, it's like, mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty good sacrifice to make. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I was just kind of thinking like, I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't benefit from like a month or two, three, four weeks of checking their calories. Cause it gives you such a good baseline knowledge and, and coming to think of it, it is, it is interesting how part of these things become habit now, because like I said, it's mostly for me, my own intuition that guides me. And, but at the same time, like I definitely weigh out my fats for the most part. I usually weigh out my carbs for the most part. Protein, protein's a little bit easier to estimate, but it's like, there's still a lot of those things that can like peanut butter is probably the best example. Mm-hmm. Is it a healthy fat? Yeah, probably. You could probably argue it's a healthy fat just because it's a healthy fat doesn't mean you can't eat 500 calories of it and overeat it really easily. So there's things like that too, that are, that are nuanced. Right. And I think people, the people, the same people that stress over counting all their calories for, for 12 weeks or for, for four weeks, even like weighing out their food, tracking every single thing that they put in their mouth are the same people who complain for years about their weight being all fucked up and not understanding Mm -hmm. anything about nutrition. And like, it's like, they're just, that that's their cop out answer to not put in the work during like 
that four to 12 week period. Uh, Brendan Schaub, actually the comedian, he's one that like they, they talk about, and I understand if you're a comedian, you're traveling on the road and things, it's definitely going to be harder, but it's still not going to be impossible to like track your food. But he's the one who's always doing keto or then he's doing mm-hmm. carnivore or then he's doing some other diet. And he's like, Oh, I just got to, I got to get back on keto. He's like, I, I shot back up in my weight. And then it's really? just like, is this the MMA fighter? Yes. Yes. Surprised he doesn't have like a better baseline knowledge. Surprising. It, it, the, and the thing is though, he thinks he does like, but he, he just shits on, he, he understands calories and everything, but whenever mm-hmm. somebody brings up about like tracking their food or, or sometimes this isn't often of course with, mm-hmm. with his work, but it's just like, he's just so quick to dismiss. He's like, that's no way to live life. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. wh- why can't you do that for eight to 12 weeks? And then you're going to be good for the majority yeah. of your life. But like, it's no way to live life bouncing from fad diet to fad diet yeah. and, and, and stressing about your health and having poor body image because you're not making progress no matter how hard you try. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, pick your poison, but like you can't say that it's, it doesn't work or that it's a, it's a bad idea. Yeah. What, I remember one of the most impactful things I've ever heard along those lines is like, I'm a huge fan of Mike Matthews and yeah. I've heard him tell this story a couple different times, maybe on his podcast or somewhere else, but he's like, essentially like there's a guy at my local gym, you know, he's always asking me like, what kind of diet I'm on, like dieting and exercise advice. And he goes, here, look, literally he said the guy had always been a little bit overweight, just kind of pudgy, not like super huge, but he's like, literally what you're going to do for the next week, two weeks, three weeks is like eat 2,500 calories and get 150 grams of protein. It's like, don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about sugar, about what time you eat, about X, Y, and Z. He's like, literally do that. He's like, no way that's going to work. You know, this guy's, he's like, I've done keto. I've done paleo. I've done X, Y, and Z. But he's like, it, it, it literally is that simple. And yeah. that's, I think the best way to, to, you, you just have to experience it for yourself. And then you, you realize how, you know, your body is just, it's essentially this machine and you know food is this on a a base level it's just this fuel for us you eat too much your body stores fat you know you eat too little you lose it and there's a ton more nuances obviously as you know but it it can be that easy if you want to make it that that's going to cover that's going to cover your bases though like Mm -hmm. we talked about with the calories like the cal how your calorie expenditure of each day like that's the most important thing Mm -hmm. um so it's just like if you can get that right and then also the protein as well because if you consume 150 grams of protein per day and say you're only taking in 75 grams, you're only taking in half of that per day, it's like in order to double your protein intake, you're going to have to sacrifice other yeah. shitty food choices that mm-hmm. you're making. So it's just kind of by default, even without you even trying and worrying about how much sugar you're getting in or whatever, you're going to reduce your sugar intake mm-hmm. by doubling the amount of protein that you're taking in each day and also getting 2,500 calories. It's like, that's why people preach about calories and protein being the, the most important things is because you can get those. And I would say, I would say it's calories, protein, and fiber. Those are the mm-hmm. three things. If you can get those covered, then you're good. Like I have a yeah. thing on uh, on my site and that I like to talk about often. And it's just fitness essentialism. And that for nutrition, that's that's mostly it. Like it's tracking mm-hmm. something. So tracking your weight, taking pictures uh, or taking measurements or all three, whatever you want to do, but measuring something so you can measure your progress. But then the other three things that you focus on essentially is your calories, your protein, and your fiber intake. Mm-hmm. And by ensuring that, you know that your 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 calorie intake is going to be okay for the day. Your protein is going to be enough to subside hunger and then build muscle and then potentially lose fat as well. Mm-hmm. But the fiber is obviously it's it's also going to be good for for hunger, but then for for digestion and then overall mood and and food quality as well. Like that's if you can get in all three of those goals, you're gonna be you're gonna be set for the yeah. most part. Like for most people, yeah. With, with their goals, like you're going to be fine. You, you mm-hmm. nail those. Absolutely. You'll be good to go. Yeah. I remember I'm a really big fan of like the seventies, eighties, nineties era of bodybuilding, just because I think that mm-hmm. those physiques were just by far the best. They're out of this world. But I remember a lot of times when you hear guys like a couple of my favorites, like Dorian Yates or Arnold Schwarzenegger, like when they talk about dieting down, it wasn't really, I mean, I think they understood calorie balance, but things were a little bit different back there. But it seems like usually when they talk about dieting, it was like, they weighed themselves twice a day. You know, they looked in the mirror, they had other, they had like their friends and training partners look at them. And it was a lot more intuitive in that way than mm-hmm. like, you know, they weren't necessarily, I don't know this for sure, but it didn't sound like usually they were like, I'm on this calorie diet for now. I'm on this calorie diet for now. It was really like, you know, the, the anecdotal 
right 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 something like this is clearly something is not working because i don't Mm -hmm. look tinier i don't look bigger Mm -hmm. i don't like look like i'm losing body fat my weight isn't going down the way that it should Mm -hmm. be so it's like okay obviously i need to switch up something i need to eat less apple Mm -hmm. pies or or whatever he was eating back then it's like Mm -hmm. yeah something needs to change yeah yeah there's a lot of ways to look at it but yeah, if you absolutely. like, we, like if someone, you know, I think the best advice would just be listen to the last five minutes of what we talked about. And that's going to get you <laughs> yeah. 90% of the way there. And there's it, another 10% where, you know, you can get more into it, which is probably more so where you're myself and, and you are now at this point in our lives. But, uh, I, I mostly just think that that's, it's, you know, my own interest. And I, I, I try not to preach too much about the, the, the things that I'm interested in as far as my own diet, because it can be too in the weeds, but Anyway, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's high. exactly, but I still fall, I fall back to that 90%. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. like, honestly, probably now more than ever, I don't care as nearly as much about the meal timing or, or, or anything like that, or the supplements. Mm-hmm. Like I barely take any supplements. I don't even take mm-hmm. pre-workout anymore. Um, so it's just like, yeah, no, I don't, because I'm not trying, I don't care about getting the best results possible anymore. Yes, I have that knowledge to do so, but it's like, again, I have other important things that I want to worry about that are taking up my mind space. Uh, and I'm not worried about, uh, yeah, nutrient timing or meal timing or something like that. So yeah, for sure. Depends. Well, Matt, I really appreciate the time today. It was a fun conversation. Do you want to go ahead and let people know where they can find you if they want to reach out, follow you on Instagram, anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the the main thing you should check out is my Instagram. So Matt McLeod six, it's M A T T M C L E O D six. Uh, Instagram, I'm pretty active. And then my podcast, the more than fitness podcast. Uh, also my blog, which is mattmcleod.org. Um, and yeah, those are the, those are the three main places right now that, that I'm, I'm very active on and that I'll be focusing on, uh, more throughout 2020 so yeah find me on there send me a dm say hello uh i'd be happy to hear from you guys all right man well i'm looking forward to connecting again and thanks for coming on yeah thank you so much bro hey it's jake again if this podcast provided you any value i'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it In addition, it would really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.